Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around diversity, inclusion, and equity. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in this space. Let's get started. Rochelle Holloman is a program manager with the diversity and inclusion team at Southern California Edison, one of the nation's largest electric utilities and a Fortune 250 company. She's responsible for leading the company's 12 business resource groups, or BRGs. These BRGs are voluntary, employee-led groups that serve as a resource for their members and the company, fostering a diverse and inclusive workplace aligned to the company's mission, values, goals, and business priorities. They also strive to provide maximum benefit to its members through leadership development, increased employee retention and engagement, and enhanced community involvement. Rochelle's a 10-year employee of Southern California Edison and preceding her role in diversity and inclusion, she worked in customer programs and services, supporting various energy efficiency programs with an annual operating budget of more than 60 million. She's also served as the grassroots safety lead In her spare time, she partners and contributes to several nonprofits as an advisor, board member, and mentor. Rochelle is a licensed California real estate agent, and her true passions are public speaking, coaching, and mentoring. One of the most meaningful parts about working at Southern California Edison, Rochelle says, was being able to lead and facilitate over a hundred discussions around race, equity, and belonging for their employees. The leadership team paved the way in 2020 for these rich and robust conversations to take place through their leading with courage and inclusion dialogue sessions. During those sessions, they provided a safe space for employees of all backgrounds to share their professional and personal experiences. And she found those conversations both encouraging and inspiring. And as they gave her a chance to connect with various employees in different areas of the organization. Southern California Edison strives to provide an environment of psychological safety and trust. And they have found that the first step is to listen and share respectfully while adhering to their company values. I am so excited today to have Rochelle Holloman with me today to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I know you've been in the space for a long time, and I am so interested to hear about what you have learned about the space and what you are doing in the space these days. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. What a pleasure to join today and welcome to your audience as well as we dive in. You know, diversity, equity, and inclusion is at the forefront of all that we do. You can't turn on the television today without hearing it in some form. And it's a great thing. This is so important. I always say to people that when you go back and you look at the 60s and the momentum, the traction that took place from that moment, we're right back there again and an opportunity, a time in history where we can make great strides in this area. 
I think it's so important that if we think of it as we've made such great strides in technology in that man is going to the moon and we're sending, you know, to Mars and we have a space station that, you know, is above us and circles the earth 15 times a day. And we've made such advancements in that area. But have we made advancements emotionally and how we interact with one another? And I think that as we make great strides in that area, we also need to catch up emotionally. So much of it, as I uh, lead at Southern California Edison, we, in 2020, created a program called Leading with Courage on Inclusion. And we opened it up to our leaders and we said, have conversations with your teams. Pull them in. These sessions were listening sessions. They were all about us gaining knowledge and understanding from a perception that's different than our own. That's where true strides are made. I say a lot of times we walk around almost with blinders and, you know, through your blinders, you only have so much vision. But when you hear someone else's story, you have the opportunity to expand how you see things. This is where the growth takes place, is us first just listening to one another. And these conversations were made up of all levels of management to the point now that we have included and starting this year, we're having what we call mandatory diversity, equity, and inclusion training for all of our employees. And this is getting people used to the terms. We're going to back those up with facilitated conversations, which I'm helping to lead for our company. And now we're going to open the door. Let's start to talk. Let's really get an understanding. Um, our teammates have worked together for years, and a lot of them don't know their stories, right? What happens after you leave work? What's reality like? So these conversations have been great. And I have led over 100 plus for our company, just myself. And that was between June and December. And so these conversations continue and they've been a great battle. Wow. That's phenomenal. So I will say, I mean, we had some similar conversations at my company and it was, I think it was not only amazing for, you know, management to give the space, but as the space, you know, kind of was exposed and people were made vulnerable, um, they shared information and perspectives that I think Nobody had any idea that they were bringing with them to the office. And I think it really provided for such a better connection of people. And so when you talk about emotions and, and just really being able to connect people in, and not necessarily just focus on technology, <laughs> you know, it is work that needs to be done because we are actually working on ourselves as we're listening to others. Right. And it, it's shining a light in these areas. You know, we're, we're focusing on trust. We're focusing on belonging. We're, we're focusing on respect. Because if you operate from those platforms, you make for a better team. I say this, people say, oh, melting pot, you know, where the world is like a melting pot. I go, no, truly we are a mosaic. 
two years ago, three almost three years ago, that came to me. And when you look at a mosaic, it paints such a beautiful picture. Up close, you see all the individual pieces. They're cut differently, different shapes, colors. When you step back from it, it paints the most beautiful picture. Why? Each of them are allowed to be individuals, bring who and what they are to that picture, and they shine independently and on their own. So our conversations were very powerful uh, with that, of giving them a voice. We had adult people, almost every conversation in tears, going back to their experiences. And it, it, it went across all genders, um, all ethnicities. This was not just uh, Black lives or, you know, we want to say African-Americans or people of color. This was everyone. These conversations were open to everyone to share their story. Wow. That's incredible. That is awesome. And, I, you know, it's funny because we don't do that a lot at work. Right. And so I tend to wonder now what work will be like because everybody is thinking about getting back to normal but it's kind of like we're on a different plane now. We have been exposed to something different. You can't necessarily go back. That's right. And so for us, you're right. These conversations have been taboo at work. I would lead each one of those conversations and say, we don't typically talk about this at work. It's almost like religion and, 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 and politics. <laughs> politics, right? exactly. Right, that you, you stay clear of that because emotions get involved. And But we've leaned into it. We really have. We've leaned into the difficult conversation. All areas of growth take place in an uncomfortable space. I'll prove it to you. Think about when you first learned to drive a car. How uncomfortable was that when you first learned to drive a car? But now those of us that have been driving for years, I won't say how many years, <laughs> but those of us that have been driving for years, there's times where you'll drive and you'll wind up at home and you'll go, I don't even remember how I got here. You're just on autopilot. You're on autopilot. Yeah. And and we teach this at, 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 at my job that we've been learning so much about psychological safety and understanding the brain and how the brain works. Well, 90, most people don't know this, but 90%, I'm going to give you that number again. 90% of what we do as human beings comes from our subconscious. Mm -hmm. That's how you can drive home and not remember the drive is because once you've learned it, it is stored in the back of your brain in a file and it's pulled out whenever it's needed. Well, when you say 90%, that means everything that you've been taught, everything that you've learned, it's all stored. Now, the hope is that it was stored correctly. Because if not, I tell people all the time, this, uh, when we talk about racism, inequalities, discrimination, these are all learned behaviors. Yes. And I'll prove that to you too. Put toddlers of every ethnicity on the floor to play. They will not discriminate against one another based on the color of their skin. It's a learned and taught behavior. And because of 90% of what we do comes from our subconscious, you have to reprogram the file. And that's what these conversations do. They allow you to see it maybe from a perspective differently than what you've been taught, what the media has indoctrinated us with, movies, everything, all of that feeds into you and it determines the person that you are. Yeah, that's incredibly powerful. And I think, you know, as we get into it and your work is just so interesting because I think 
as you come away with these hundreds of sessions that you're doing, the way we work together becomes completely different. So as we think about collaboration, project management, all of the things that, you know, most of the time you think about at work, how do you think some of those things change when we're dealing with, you know, challenges in the workplace now based on what you've seen? Yes, it's, it's important. It's the foundation. What, how we, again, have approached this is we talk through things in these sessions. We get right to the meat of things. We talk about things such as when you're in a meeting, are you ensuring, and this can, can cross very many, you know, when we talk about intersectionality, this can cross. But, you know, how are you even starting a meeting? Are you initially leaning into the individual? How are you today? We're going to get to the work. How are you today? How are you doing in the midst of all that we're enduring and encountering? Now, when you start meetings that way, boy, aren't you going to then lean into the subject matter with that individual, right? You've now taken things to another level. That's one way that we do that. We're very mindful of giving one another I don't want to know if say of credit is the right word, but if you're in a meeting with various people and someone throws out an idea and you come behind it and think, wow, you can add to that, add value to it, that it's wonderful to acknowledge that person first. Go, Melissa, great idea. Now let me chime in. What have you done for that individual? You've acknowledged them in front of the group that this idea started with them. Now I'm going to elaborate. Women experience this quite often in the workplace, that they're talked over. They're not, they're, they're great and brilliant ideas are not acknowledged. Yes. You'll be in a meeting and a, a woman is saying, and, and this isn't, you know, this is where we're just talking reality, that a, a woman is saying, and, you know, it doesn't get much fanfare and a man can come behind it and say, and they're like, yes. <laughs> and the team is, let's do brilliant idea. And the woman's going, wait, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Ageism, that, that shows yes. itself in ageism, mm-hmm. right? With people that may be, uh, been in the workforce a little longer and those maybe that are just entering the workforce, right? That sometimes it's hard for people to find their voice. That's one of the things that we're working on. This is a place of belonging for all of us. All of our voices are important. There are gold nuggets within each of us and people have to feel allowed to, to flourish, now, so, and, and since you brought up the word belonging, because there's all these different words now that people are using diversity, equity, inclusion now, belonging. So in your, and I think I just had an interview with somebody and they, um, they worked in academia and they were talking, mm-hmm. they have retention actually in their title. So how have these words played a role in, you know, with the work that you're doing? And I think it's important. This is the one of the reasons that we are um, introducing company-wide training. Because within those trainings, they're bundles, they're, they're micro-learnings, they're short 10-minute micro-learnings, but it's concepts and then adding understanding to those concepts. Right? Because we are hearing them. We're hearing, we're hearing equity. Uh, we're, we, we're so used to hearing equality. Right. Well, equality doesn't always work. We use a very good graph that if we've got just a second, I want to yeah, paint this please. picture for you. We show a graph in our department and it's of a soccer field. And there's a team that's playing soccer and there are three 
observers of the game. They are all standing behind a wooden fence. One person can see over the fence. The person in the middle can't see and the last person cannot see based on their height. So it talks about equality. And what they show you is that equality gives each one of those people the same size box to stand on, a wooden box. Well, the person that could see initially, yep, can still see the person in the middle. Now they can see with that support of the one box. But the person on the end, one box still doesn't do it. It does not give them line of sight to the game. That's equality. Equality says everybody gets the same thing, although it may not meet your need. Equity now says, and that's the next frame in that graph, shows the person on the end, no box, person in the middle, one box, person on the end, two boxes now to stand on. Now all three can see. That's equity. Equity says where you need the support, we give the support. The last frame of this talks about justice, and we hear that a lot lot now of systemic justice, social justice. And this frame is beautiful. And the old, what's happened here, all of the boxes are removed. The wooden fence is completely removed and a chain link fence is now placed up. Now, no one needs support once the systemic barriers are removed. That's healthcare, that's jobs. That, that, that's where we say you have to fix the system And once you fix the system, the support is no longer needed. I love that example of the, you know, the the chain link fence or maybe no fence at all or something. Or no fence at all. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And I'm sure that maybe to protect the players on the field, they will run out (laughs) on you. Right. But but the the whole premise behind that, you see it clearly. Yes. You see it clearly that if you fix the foundation, right, if you fix these systems, that have over the years have prevented groups and people from progressing, being able to take advantage of what we call the American dream. Yes. Once you remove that. Now, here's one more thing I'm going to touch on quickly. And we call that the 10%. The 10% that you see of an individual, and this concept is out there. It's like an iceberg. When you see an iceberg, you're only seeing 10% above water. 90% is underneath. I bring this point out every time I'm in a session that when you look at an individual, you're only seeing 10% of them. And that's from a medical standpoint. And when you talk about skin mass, right? When you talk mm-hmm. compared to body mass, you only see 10% of an individual. But that's where all of our judgment and biases come from is that small has nothing to do with their head or their heart, has nothing with their, their ability to learn. Their, their ability to be productive. And so we have to be mindful of that and, and shy away from judging individuals immediately by the only that small percent of them that you see. And as we shift and make those changes, we make for a better society. And that's part B of this. This work we're doing is not just for us. We are planting seeds for trees that we will probably never sit under, but someone will. Yes. So it's important that we plant the seeds. It's the legacy, right? I mean, some of those trees take years and years to grow and blossom. And yet, you know, when they do blossom, you know, it could be generations from now, they reap the benefits. That's it, exactly. So that's how powerful this work is that we're doing. Yeah, it's amazing. And I know a lot of DNI professionals are focusing on training 
But there is also this sense that, you know, training can't be the only thing we do. And so are there other things that in the work that you're doing, either, you know, with with your company or others in terms of what you've learned? Are there other, you know, when you, you talk about the structural barriers, how can we do better in terms of modifying those structural barriers? You know, when when they were created, obviously they weren't necessarily created for everyone. Do you have thoughts on, you know, how some of that structural infrastructure can be modified? Yes. And I think so much of it is what you said. It's first, it's first talking about it. You know, we can never solve anything until we first identify what it is. That's one of the bold steps that our company has made. Uh, we've, we've committed to 10 diversity, equity, and inclusion goals. And not only did we set those goals, but we've put metrics behind them. We put measuring behind them. We put accountability behind them so that we're ensuring that these are done. And a lot of it is just that. First of it is bringing awareness and understanding. Because if your life is okay, you go, what's the problem? Everything's fine for me. There, There is no problem. But you first have to identify that there is a problem and that it's not a level playing field for everyone. So first of it, it's awareness, it's understanding, it's talking, it's conversations, it's bringing in information, like I mentioned before, to expand your blinders, right? Because you can't make change unless you know that change is needed. So that's been the first thing for us. And that's where we started with those facilitated conversations, bringing about awareness to leadership. Leadership has been a part of that. Our executive leadership has been a part of this every step of the way. And as I mentioned, they've leaned into this. So if you're in an organization and you're looking to make change, the change has to start with leadership. Leadership has to buy into this because otherwise you're going to spin your wheels. If it doesn't come from the top down, it must come from the top down. As the head goes, so goes the body. And so it is important that leadership first buys into this and understands the importance of it because most of us have very diverse workforces. And so that being the case, where we live, our communities, they're diverse. So we have to start there and it has to be about education. Remember I said 90% comes from the subconscious. We have to change the way we view things. From there, then you can begin to implement change. But the awareness has to come first because otherwise you're not going to know where. So we've been very careful with that. I lead our 12. And so part of my role is I lead our 12 business resource groups, which we talked about in the intro. And so with that, that becomes very important. Our business resource groups are vehicles. They are made up of our employees. And, and so we are constantly getting information out through these vehicles. But the most important thing is that leadership has signed in. They've linked arms. They're allies with us on this journey. We've talked a lot about psychological safety, creating psychologically safe environments for our employees, that they have a voice. And so, so much of what we're talking about um, it comes from people feeling confident to know that they have a voice if they see something, that they can say something. What I always back it up with, D and I, what we back it up with is that it's done respectfully. Absolutely. 
Because I'll tell you, if you don't handle sin, and this is in everyday life, this is from work to family to friends. If you don't handle situations with respect, people dig their heels in into their beliefs and we've then not accomplished anything. So when we're talking about becoming true allies, what that means is one, educating ourselves. What does that mean? How does that fit? Show up where you are. You don't have to, as we say, go boil the ocean. Start where you are. Educate yourself. Begin to educate those that are around you. And as we all make these strides together, that's where we see the change. We're called at, at our company, we're calling for a cultural shift, a cultural transformation in how we interact with one another and how we do business. Wow, that's fantastic. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Now, one of the other terms that you mentioned was you call your groups business resource groups versus employee resource groups. Mm -hmm. Was that an actual change that occurred or did they always start off as a business resource group? Great question. So our teams, uh, last year, we had nine ERGs, employee resource groups, and we had three business resource groups. So, and I'll, I'll fill your, fill the audience in, and I'm sure a lot of them are aware of the difference between the two. Employee resource group is just that. Their overarching initiative strategies are all geared towards the employee, the employee experience. The difference with the business resource group is it shifts to the business strategy and the businesses initiatives which also then encompasses the employee experience. So it comes from a, from a higher overarching objective. So we had, uh, what we did was we ensured that all of our teams operated from a business plan standpoint. They all have board of directors. We set that structure in place and then we ensured that they tied and aligned with company strategy. And so they've demonstrated that for two years now. And so all of our teams in October of 2020 were all promoted to business resource groups. And we're extremely proud. I'm extremely proud because it was done on my watch. And, and, and I was, it, it was intentional on wow. my part that that was done for them. And leadership was able to recognize, and you know, 2020, we all shifted those teams. I mean, they shifted on a dime. All, every one of their business plans had to be revamped and rethought from a virtual standpoint. And boy, they did it. And with flying colors and they instituted programs and things that now we're be going, we're beginning to go externally and tell our story because they're making such great strides. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. That's what yes. we like to hear, right? When you finally yes. connect the yes. employees, the business initiatives, because employees then feel like they are the ambassador of the company, right? right? Everywhere they go, they can really tie into and engage on all of, all of these efforts that are going on in some form or fashion or whatever they want to be participating in. Yes. And let me add the flip side of that because I gave you the, the benefit to the company. Here's the benefit to our employees. We have leadership development programs and that's part of my commitment 
to them is that I'm going to give you the visibility. I'm going to ensure that we are programming in place. The model this year is, my model is leadership for the next level. Now I say leadership for the next level because that looks different for each of us. But what is that? Identify that. Determine what that is. And now we're going to give you the tools to take you there. One of the things that I'm instituting and I'm working with leadership on right now is that we turn this volunteerism into actual work experience. You are leading teams. You are showing forth managerial experience. That needs to be on your resume. Yeah. So that when you're applying for a job, you can say, I've got two years of experience on a BRG. This counts towards managerial experience. And look at what I learned. So it's the benefit to our employee of the visibility there before our CEO constantly. Our CEO knows their name. How many companies can you say that when you have 13,000 plus employees that the CEO knows your name because of the engagement with the BRGs? They, they are leaned completely in. And so there's promotions that take place and great ideas that they come up with that turn into programs, something tangible. So there's such benefit to the employee of joining these teams, as well as that mutual benefit for the for the, the company. Absolutely. And what a way to create your own personal networks and engagement as you manage through that process. Because I think sometimes when we think about going to the next level, it's a perfect opportunity to lean into those relationships that you probably have made during this type of engagement. And we're tracking it now. We before didn't have matrix in place. We're tracking this now so that we can send reports up to leadership and says, look at how many of our BRG employees have been promoted as a result of this work. Look at the engagement, right? So we're setting all of these metrics that we can then show our value to leadership. How we're bringing in, right? We're attracting new talent. Right. Um, all of these, all of these aspects of what we do, we were putting metrics because it's so important to validate it, to show leadership the worth and the value that you. That's fantastic. I love yes. it. I love it. So what other I mean, are you seeing different challenges now that you have moved into this realm? Yes, I think it's like anything in life. Uh, there are pros, there are cons, there's ups, there's downs. There are people that agree, there are people that don't agree. And so I would have to say that that, I would have to say that by large, overwhelmingly, this has been received well by our employees. There are some, though, and there are some challenges. We'll have some of our, our discussions. Um, and that's where, you know, it, it requires, and that's why we call them leading with courage on inclusion, because you're, you're stepping into conversations and it requires bravery there. The key thing is that if we know that all that we're doing is coming from a place of respect, coming from a place of human rights, coming from a place of treating all people with dignity and respect, because that's what they deserve then we know that we're on the side of what's right. And so even as there is opposition at times to the message, we know that this message is the right message. And so what we do with that is we ensure, we give, we give an ear to everyone. Everyone deserves to be heard. So we ensure that if there is opposition, that, that they're heard. 
and then we take things through through its normal channels. If need be, then we even get leadership's buy-in as to what is the correct course for our company and what is the precedence and, and the, what we're trying to set. So yes, there is always, you know, going to be some opposition. And especially when you're talking about changing lives and people going into spaces that are uncomfortable or new, right? We gave that driving analogy. Whenever it's new, it's uncomfortable. And the first thing your brain goes is, <laughs> don't want to do this. But, but learning is important. And we know that anything that you take on that's new, there's always that, that struggle to, to say, I can do this or I can work or whatever, whatever the case is. But that's just your brain because it likes to keep things normal. So we know that this is new. We know that this is new territory, but we are just thankful that people are willing to have the conversations, to be vulnerable because we all learn when they do. And then from there, as challenges arise, again, we lean into them respectfully, yeah. seeing all sides, doing our best to see all sides, but then setting precedents as to what we believe is right and what we believe is the right direction. Now, have the efforts that you all have been doing internally, and this doesn't have to be specifically for SEE, but are you seeing connections into community where perhaps you haven't seen that before or with customers in a way that is kind of more significant than it was prior to kind of this momentum we talked about? Yes. And I mentioned earlier, right? What happened was our networkers, which is our, our Black African-American BRG, prior to COVID, prior to uh, the racial unrest, at the end nine, in uh, 2019, hosted series, what we call Space for Dialogue where employees, their membership was in, invited to come in and to really talk about work environment, things maybe on the exterior that may be affecting work environment. It was open conversations. Well, we held those, they held 11 of them and they captured themes because we thought this was so important. We we're hearing from our employee base. One of the things that was important about them as well is that they're one of our largest teams. And so their membership is not just black employees. It crosses all ethnicities. And we heard from them. We heard from all ethnicities, kind of the same things. And so what leadership did was uh, we were proposed in 2020 to now take these things and now institute, right? Some programming and, and some directive, some strategy. Well, then COVID hit. And then, of course, right, we know everything that, that took, transpired after that. So we were beautifully positioned to go to leadership and say, here is the, here is the African-American experience at SCE. Without knowing wow. that all of this was coming down, we yeah. were poised, we were positioned. And so it was perfect for our leadership because then they could take those things. And from those things, they developed 10 DEI goals. And those are those goals that I mentioned that are in, in, in process right now. So they're piloting a lot of those programs mm -hmm. through our Black employees first. This is the company's commitment. They then roll out right into our other um, BRGs of color. So right now, those other 11 teams are now 
starting next month, will host their own space for dialogue so that we're getting a whole perspective. We have a veterans, we have LGBTQ, we have Asian Island Pacific, we have, you know, it's again, caregivers, you know, it, it, it just goes on and on. We have 12 of them, but we want to get the perspective of all of their memberships. We will then roll those up. Those themes will be used for 2022. So as I mentioned, there are programs at Edison is opening up programs to underserved communities. They're opening up a, a groundman program, which for us, it's like an entry level position. However, it pays huge <laughs> bucks and it kind of, you kind of start you out and then they become linemen, right? And we're putting a large number of, of money into that program, getting people through LA Trade Tech. I'm going to throw that out there because <laughs> that program is going to be coming in about April. LA Trade Tech has a linemen's program. We are going to come to that program and there's a certain number of uh, people we're really looking and, and this is transparency. We're looking to start with Black employees, right? And people that right out of high school, they don't have to have any type of degree, can come into this program, be taught linemen. Um, SCE will, will sponsor all of their costs. And these are life-changing jobs. Life-changing. Changing. Generational change. If I told yes. you the dollar amount that they make entry level, and that Edison is then going to pay for everything, schooling, their licensing, everything, gear, everything. So it's programs like that. And we have 10 of those in place that are, are where we're kind of putting our money where our mouth is. Wow, right? that's awesome. Shout out to the SCEs. Come on, Edison. That's fantastic. Well, and there's so many uh, opportunities. I love the fact that, you know, the real connection to the community in terms of, you know, opportunities that you're providing that that literally can be life-changing. I mean, you get out of high school and you have an entire career, especially when we're talking about energy, there's so many things going on with energy now. And to be able to train new workforces for all of the new energy initiatives that are going on is just fantastic. Yes. And we do that. Edison does that in so many areas, right? Uh, solar, right? All of those, those alternative energy sources. Another thing that's beautiful with our BRGs, that's one of our commitment is to our communities. So one of the programs that we do, and, and you know, we kind of tout this, is that all 12 teams, every single year, they pick a nonprofit. And we then give a day of volunteerism. Now, this last year, we had to do it differently, right? Because everything was virtual. <clears throat> Excuse me, but in times past, we would show up and we'd get employees to sign up and whatever they need done, we rolled up our sleeves and got it done. And then we make a contribution to that nonprofit of $5,000. So every one of our teams does that every single year. And that's in addition to all of the other community work that they do. Our BRGs, BRGs are tied. That's one of the three legs of our stool is the community. And so, so much of we, what we do is based around providing information, providing programming, providing low cost and energy efficient products. So there is an array. And so I would, I would even welcome anyone uh, listening. Go into SCE.com. There are so many programs 
refrigerator programs, low-income people that are in need of refrigerators. It just goes on and on and on the resources that have been made available, need assistance with paying even their bills, right? A lot of that is done through nonprofits that you can literally get assistance paying paying your bills. So many benefits to the community. So many That's benefits. fantastic. And Lord knows there's a lot of folks that need that right now. Yes. So that's fantastic. Thank you for, you know, sharing that information with us. Thank you for joining me for this conversation. It has just been fabulous. And I have a feeling this won't be the last conversation. It will not. You better invite me back here. (laughs) This has been an awesome, awesome opportunity to share the work that we are doing. So thank you. And thank you for making this podcast available, right? Um, That people can gain information and then really pay it forward, right? Um, We say become an ally, find your place and make a difference. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, there we have Rochelle Holloman. Thank you so much. Thank you for all you're doing within Southern California Edison and for the leadership there for recognizing all of the things that need to be done from an initiative. Like you said, you have to start at the top and we appreciate all of those folks sitting at the top that are really encouraging and forcing this work to be a priority. So thank you for being here. And I look forward to our next discussion. Me too. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thanks so much. You too. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.